Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. Hey, it's Warren Lopez. Brent Metcalf. Johnny Hendrick. Tony Ramos. Bubba J. Mike Goley. Matthew Modine. The one and only Chael Sonnen. And you are listening to the one and only Short Time Wrestling Podcast by the often imitated and never duplicated Jason Bryant. I'm three-time national wrestling writer and broadcaster year, Jason Bryant, and I'll bring you news, reviews, previews, and interviews with the most notable names and personalities in wrestling. Subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app by logging on to matttalkonline.com slash listen. Short Time is sponsored by Flips Wrestling. Share your attitude and be heard at flipswrestling.com. Now it's time because you've always got time for Short Time. For Short Time. It's episode 204 of the Short Time Wrestling Podcast. Jason Bryant here with you as always. Today, going to have a very verbose and long-winded guest. You know him as Chael Sonnen. He is a MMA fighter, host of You're Welcome, a show you can find on PodcastOne.com, one of the top shows in the podcast space that's about MMA. He talks a lot about wrestling. Chael will join us with his thoughts about the world championships. You know, this guy is a junkie about wrestling. Uh, say what you want about uh, what he's done outside of the ring and his personality. The guy gives a crap about our sport, and he does it with passion. This is not a front. So we'll talk to Chael, who's always colorful and energetic later in the program. Before we get to that, I want to say a couple thank yous out there to Robert Edward 808, Brian T. Brown, and Mike Alterio for some five-star reviews. Actually, on the Matt Talk Podcast Network feed on iTunes, that is the master show. That's where you get everything. That's That's for people that really listen to me way, way too much. That's where you listen to like every single show that I put out. So um, you can listen to that. You can listen to this. This show you can find at mattalkonline.com slash get short time if this is the first time listening and you're stumbling across the wrestling world from uh, from Chael on the MMA side. So I'd like to thank you for joining us. You're going to talk about wrestling. We're going to learn a lot about collegiate Olympic high school wrestling here on the Short Time Wrestling Podcast. News, reviews, previews, and interviews with the top names in the sport of wrestling also want to give a shout out to Cole Shrupp this guy you guys might know the name Cole Shrupp he has been doing videos for the University of Minnesota and and uh, the Minnesota Storm and Northern Michigan this guy's been around for a long time loves the sport of wrestling loves the sport of Greco-Roman uh, is tight with guys like Chaz Betts Andy Besick so uh, Cole Shrupp became the latest member of the uh, patron team here at Matt Talk Online thanks for the donation Cole I'll send you a hat 
and send it in the mail to you here shortly on Short Time. That's no pun intended. So uh, a couple things I want to throw at you before we get rolling. If you want daily wrestling news, you want daily wrestling news, you want it delivered to your email first thing in the morning. If something you might have missed, mattalkonline.com slash news. It's free. It's daily updates. It's curated wrestling news. It's not just like, okay, I find everything, every single story I can find to throw in there. Nope. That is, this is something that if it's interesting, I find it. It's good. It's got news. It's got some press releases, schedule releases. You're not going to miss much of anything, if at all, if you're subscribing to this. So if you're interested about wrestling and finding news from around the country and around the world, yeah, I've got some international stuff in here beyond what United World Wrestling's putting out. I've got stuff from India. I've got stuff from China. I've got stuff from you name it. I can find it. You can get it all in your email daily, matttalkonline.com slash news. So uh, Chael Sonnen, our guest today, he is a very long-winded guy. He loves talking wrestling, so I'm not going to beat around the bush with the housekeeping stuff anymore. And you know what? We're going to go right to Chael. Chael, let's be honest. It's been 108 episodes since you last appeared on the Short Time Wrestling Podcast. Your numbers were great last time. I was on your welcome. Now it's time to return a favor a little bit. Now it's 2-1. to one. You're back on Short Time after over 100 episodes. Uh, you know, the people people can't wait. So so what you're saying is you're about to see a big rating spike again. Well, congratulations, Jason, but I'll tell you right out of the gate, I'm not in the best of moods. I am completely depressed. Now the world championships are over. I waited an entire year. I spent every moment of last week. I had I was in my office. I had borrowed three computers plus my own. So I had four computers open. I had every mat A through D. I did not miss a single minute of action. And now I'm recovering from from the blues, man. I'm down. I, I, I feel your pain, man. It's been two days for me to sit here on my couch. All I wanted to do when I come home is get on my couch and watch TV and play with my daughter. Now, all of a sudden, now it's like, all right, it's, when does wrestling start back up? I, I feel your pain. Yeah, I'm in the same spot. Now, you know, we, we've had a little bit of drama today. I cannot pronounce the, the 86, the 186-pound guy from Russia, the two-time world champion. What is his name? How do you say it? Sulev? Abdul Rashid Sadalaev. Okay, thank you very much. Now, I still can't say it. Sadalaev and Kyle Schneider have been going at it on Twitter today. Now, it's almost too to be true, and I almost don't believe it. I think somebody has taken over Sadaev's Twitter account. I'm not even sure he knows he has one because his responses are a little... I had the same question today, and we record this on Tuesday, just to give the, fo- the listeners some context, but I had the same question. I sent Christian Piles a text message going, I'm not 100% sure. I wasn't convinced. And apparently, Willie was on the phone with Satellite's agent trying to get him in for who's number one or something. That apparently is a legitimate Twitter account by Abdul Rashid Satellayev. And just like you, he follows no one. Well, I think that it, that it speaks volumes for him because he's also an intelligent guy. His English was perfect, uh, both in structure of his sentences, uh, his comprehension, but as well as his spelling. So good for him. So, okay, fine. Let's just move on. So it is real. So uh, he and Schneider are going back and forth. I mean, come on. This is what dreams are made of. The last time that a match like this is, was ever actually put together was around 1991, maybe 1990. I'd have to check the date on it. But it was uh, Bella Glazov came out and took on John Smith. So I mean, this, is, this is huge. If, if they can put this together, man, this is huge. Chael, I'm going to tell you exactly when the data that was, because sitting right behind me in my office is a poster that reads World Wrestling Grand Championship 
December 26, 1989, Pittsburgh Civic Arena, the old igloo, and it is signed by both Sergei Bologlazov and by John Smith. So that is the exact date when that happened. So it was the 89-90 season, if you want to talk about seasons. But, yeah, 1989, the super match, that was uh, – that was a big deal. I wasn't even knowing what wrestling was, but I've got I've got this poster behind me, authentically signed by both of them. So it's uh, it's the the crown of my memorabilia collection for sure. I'll tell you what, though, there's a lot of moving parts here, Jason. There's a lot of talking points on this. I mean, first off, let's start with this: what weight do they wrestle at? Because we cannot continually ask Snyder to cannibalize himself, which is what he has to do for the NCAA season, which is exactly why he's redshirting. He's not redshirting to train freestyle pretty obvious he's got freestyle down. He's, he's sitting out the year because he can't keep cutting to 197, and then three weeks later, which is when the trials are there, three weeks after the conclusion of the NCAA tournament, uh, expected to be, you know, all the way muscled back up another 20 pounds. So we can't ask him to keep doing that. And at the same time, if you move this Russian kid up and he has success, and he's likely to have success, the hardest guy in the world to wrestle is the guy from one weight class below you, why would he go back down? If he's going to find out he gets it, why go back down? And that's not great for Russia because you don't want to knock get uh, Dethov out of the lineup. So, you know, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things there where I can see the, the wrestling world in Russia pulling the plug on it because those guys do play politics better than anybody. Yeah, I'm wondering if they go a catch weight or if it's just like, all right, you know, if you're close, you're close. I'm guessing the one the satellite is probably going to have to come up on it, but uh, that would make more sense, I think, than Snyder coming down with a home court advantage. Right, but, but where does he come up to? Does he come all the way up to 96 kilos, or does Ty, uh, Snyder, you know, agree to 200 pounds, which isn't out of will, his wheelhouse completely? He was 197 in March. He was 197 every Saturday leading up to March. Um but, again, the whole reason that he's not wrestling next year is he doesn't want to have to take off uh, muscle mass. He might do it for a one-off like this this far out. But I don't know that he would. I think that if they're going to do the match later this year prior to the Nationals, which have been moved to December, they're probably going to have to just do it at 96 kilograms. But I'm not sure uh, that the Russian would agree to that. I'm not sure he should agree to that. What if the money's right, Chael? Come on. You know, you know the deal. It's, it's all about that cash. Yeah, it is now, but you're talking with an American mindset right now. See, we could go to Kyle Snyder. We could leave Tom Ryan out of it. We could leave Bruce Burnett out of it. We could leave Brandon Slayer. We could call Snyder up directly and get a commitment, and then the coaches will just go, well, he agreed to do it. Uh, I don't think it works that way in Russia. And and the other thing, now that we're talking about money, I don't know if Snyder can take it. Can, Can he accept money for a freestyle event considering he's got three years of eligibility left. I think he can, but I'm not positive. I don't think in a one-off event like this, I don't think he can accept a a prize money for a situation that's not the actual Olympics. Because uh, I think uh, there, there was some good information on the message boards today about it. I think there, there's an NCAA provision that, that's something that's from the USOC that's not from the individual governing bodies. So I think it's got to come from the USOC. They can take it versus the, you know, say, if USA Wrestling wanted to give him some money, I think he's got to wait on that. Yeah, there is some confusion there. I mean, if we want to beat this horse, it's probably dead already anyway. But when I was in college, we had a professional baseball player. He did two two years uh, in Major League Baseball. He stopped. He came back to college and was uh, played football on a full scholarship. And what the NCAA said, is he never took money to play football. Therefore, this is a non-issue. With that in mind, 
freestyle versus collegiate are totally different sports. Just because we call them wrestling and we we put them both in a singlet, those are totally different sports. And, and freestyle is not contested under the NCAA. And I think Schneider has a right to that money. But uh, well, we can cross that road later. Let's go back to the World Championships. I'm all for that. So let, let me tell you this. If, if my son, who is three months old, grows up to be Brett Metcalf, I have succeeded far beyond my wildest fantasies as a father. The, the integrity and the character that Brett Metcalf brings to this sport. You know, he had a hurt hand. He's a liar. He, he always lies and says nothing's hurt. I watched it. I watched his hand get put back. I watched it hurt. They asked him in the post-fight interview. He said it wasn't. He, last year at the World Championships, rolled his ankle so bad. For all I know, he broke the damn thing. I mean, he was out there on one leg. Never to this day has Brett Metcalf talked about the ankle. Never in this lifetime will he talk about the hurt hand. At the end of the day, whoever has more points, he views as the winner. He is the ultimate sportsman. He's the ultimate competitor. And as far as a leader goes, he is the guy, in my opinion. I've never seen integrity in sports like what Brett Metcalf brings to the table. We, we should be so proud of him, and I know I, as a, as a fan, I am. Yeah, and this is this is Chael Sonnen talking as a wrestling fan, not as not as the hype machine or as the uh, you know the you know when you talk about the Godfather and integrity. If you're you're putting it in a wrestling terminology, so does does Brent Metcalf supplant you as the Godfather of integrity when we're talking about wrestling? He is he's the absolute pinnacle, and I think when you're looking at those guys, that that's that's a pretty crowning award. You know, these these are tough, these are disciplined, these are determined, these are focused guys. You've got a whole group of them. And when you have a guy like that whose integrity rises to the top of that esteemed bunch, I think it speaks volumes, man. I mean, his nickname should be no excuse because he does not make an excuse. And he's really only got one problem. You know, he went in there right number two in the world. Now the worlds are over. I think that ranking's right. I think he is number two. But he's got problems with that Iranian kid. He always has. And even when he does interviews, you know, Metcalf isn't Mr. Respectful of his opponent. You know, I'm going to find a way. I'm tough with him. I'm going to grind it down and beat him up. He doesn't talk that way with this Iranian. There's something about that guy that Metcalf does look up to him a little bit. And looking up to somebody isn't great for beating that person. Uh, and, but you know, I do think he's number two. I think that Iranian's best. That Metcalf match took a lot out of him. Uh, and I think Metcalf, I think the rankings were right. I don't think the placings necessarily were, but that's just my two cents. Well, let's let's just start back over. So you're, you you wrestled Greco for, you know, you made the switch to Greco. I mean, Oregon's a Greco state. So when we kicked off with Greco, what were your what were your impressions there? Obviously, Andy Beasett got a bronze medal. He beat two world champions in one day. I touched on this on episode uh, two hundred three of the Short Time Wrestling Podcast. That when was the last time an American Greco Roman wrestler beat two world champions in one day? And he had to do that just to earn a bronze medal. You know, he's so calm, and and Matt Roman talked about him in a number of interviews leading up to the championships. And Matt said, you know, I put a lot of pressure on Andy. He's, he's our only returning medalist. You know, you've, you've got Lester in that group too, but he wasn't the returning medalist. And Matt said, I put a lot of pressure on him. He says, but it just doesn't matter. Andy just stays calm and wrestles. And I read this. I read this, you know, statement by, by the coach, Matt Lillard, going into it. And boy, I mean, Matt hit it right on the head. Beasick was just as calm and relaxed as you could be. Even in a bronze medal match, he didn't score a point. 
They gave him two for the, the, the technical error, but he didn't score any points. But what's so neat about him, he doesn't let you score. You know, in no situation is he going to give you any points, and that's a really effective strategy. If you can just stop your opponent from scoring, the rest of it takes care of itself. I mean, that can take you to a world championship gold. And, uh, I mean, basic, he had about 30 bad seconds of wrestling uh, against that kid from Denmark. Uh, Martin from Denmark, and other than that, he just wouldn't let anybody have a point. He knew where he was. He wouldn't step out of bounds. His defense was solid on his feet. He just pummeled good basic wrestling, and sooner or later, you know, he just found a way to end up end up on top of the other guy. It was it was really impressive strategy. Of course, the other one, uh, obviously, you weren't there, but the what was your impression sitting from home of, of Robbie Smith's just absolute war with Bayal Makov? I've always been surprised with Smith. You know, Smith doesn't look the part. He, he, he's not a big muscled up guy, uh, particularly when you're talking about the Cuban or the Russian in that weight class that, that look like they're, you know, carved out of clay. Uh, but he's got a lot of grit, man. You know, he wasn't a kid that, that grew up with a ton of success. He, he's a guy that stayed in the sport and loved it and was passionate and worked out twice a day every day and just got better and better. And, I mean, I can't say enough good things about Robbie Smith. That's another guy where I've got to know him a little bit through his interviews. And he's also a good leader, and he's a nice guy, and he's a big old monster. And when it's time to fight, he fights. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that was the match of the tournament, I think, uh, at least for the Greco tournament, uh, top five of the entire tournament. Um, I, I just thought he was awesome. I just thought he did a fantastic job. And he knows where his points are at. He knows when he gets on points or gets on top to go up to the front headlock. You know, he doesn't hide that from anybody. He lets everybody know this is coming, and then he goes out and he makes it work anyway. He knows what his strengths are, and he, and he plays to them. It's very smart. Yeah, there were some comments about uh, the not called leg foul, whether the, whether Makov was pinned. But at the end of it, it was like, you know, some people were saying it was like the end of Rocky Balboa where, uh, you know, Rocky walks out, he loses the fight, but he's got his he's getting the standing ovation. You know, he's got his thumb up. He's getting the, the the big standing ovation from the American fan base. Well, Makov is just dead to rights, sitting there laying. I mean, he could barely move after the final, uh, after that bronze medal match. And it's like, you know, Robbie, uh, you know, went back in the back, and uh, you know, a buddy of mine was was sitting there with him with USA Wrestling, and said he broke down. I mean, it's like he he really kind of put on a little bit of a show for the fans there, and you know, basically everybody became Robbie Smith fans if they weren't already. But he took that lo- that loss incredibly hard. Yeah, and, and, you know, I was on the other side of it just in terms of Moscow's performance. Uh, I knew he was shot. I knew he was exhausted. I knew that pace was a little higher than he likes to go, but he stood out there and did what he needed to do. Um, even when he was in trouble, the pin situation you talk about, you know, he dug those feet in and drove his big ass right off the mat with, with Robbie's 300 pounds right on top of his chest. Um, so I, I appreciated his effort. He was for sure exhausted, but he did keep pushing through in his defense. But, you know, you're right. Getting a standing O in wrestling is very, very uncommon. It just, it, I can count on one hand. Uh, and, and for Robbie to get it after getting defeated, yeah, man, it, it, it spoke volumes. And I know he was down and he was hurt. And that was, you know, the closest he's ever been to a medal. And, and arguably could be as close as he ever gets to a medal. But he did qualify the weight for the country. He did represent himself very well. And, you know, Greco-Roman as a whole, uh, you know, since Matt Lindland took over just over a year ago, I think Matt, I think Matt took over like 13 or 14 months ago. He's brand new. 
Greco-Roman as a whole is on a big step up. And we're going to get a little help. When, when the tournament is in your country, you're, we're going to get a little help, and we did. But even with that in mind, I've got a pretty objective eye. I watch the world championships no matter where they are, no matter who's officiating it. And I can tell you, just skill for skill, excuse me, Jason, all the way down to our, our conditioning, uh, you know, our level of fitness, we're at a higher level now than we were 15 months ago. All right. Lopez, your opinion. Did he sell it? I don't think he did. Uh, if he did, he did a great job. He did sell it to that guy, uh, what was it, two or three years ago, and he did a terrible job of, of making it look real. Um, he wanted everybody to know that he sold it, and he succeeded. Uh, you know, this year, I don't think so. I think he went out and, and wrestled and just got surprised. I can't prove that, but that was just what I thought. What do you think? You know, I'm kind of I'm kind of waffling because it wasn't like he, you know, like in in Turkey in 2011, he'd get to the edge and he'd back up toward the center. He didn't go for the push out, or he was basically allowing himself to get crotchless and in, in jumping over. I mean, he was doing things in Istanbul that were just atypical. I thought it was a little wonky because nobody's turned this guy since then, and I don't think I've ever seen him legitimately turned. And for him almost to get turned twice when getting put down. And then to really kind of make almost a minimal effort when he got a chance in parterre, it's like, is he trying to win this? I mean, I don't know. I mean, were there lines in Vegas where he, you know, you take the field or Lopez that he put, put it all down on himself. I don't know. This is, I'm talking like you normally would right now. So I don't know. Um, I, I honestly, you know, like you said, I, I agree with you to the point where he goes, if he did, he sold it a lot better than he did in 2011, but it just seemed, it's like, you know, he's, when he wants to beat that guy, he has no problem beating that guy. He showed at the Olympics. You know, I think they meet in the Olympics, and he's not going to lose to that guy. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I, I, I don't really know, but I, I did feel on the other matches where he clearly was paid off ahead of time. He he made it clear to the, the smart mark, if you will, in the audience that he that it wasn't him out there, that, that, that something was a loop. And, and this time, you know, he went out and, he worked up a good sweat and burned a lot of calories, and if, if it was fake, he did as good a job as I've seen. It, it would disappoint me greatly if he sold that match, though I know he has done it in the past. It's not what wrestling is founded on. I get it. Cuba's different. It's a hard place, but it disappoints me so much that, that I get that I, I get those blinders on at times because I just don't want it to be true. Yeah, I think I think we all want. I mean, I, I was talking with Richard Immel about this before we we started the uh, the worlds. It was like I, I've always wanted to see Lopez just drop people on their heads because he's got that ability. But he's like, it, it's almost like a lethargic style. It's like, all right, I'm gonna okay, snap down. All right, I got my go behind. Or all right, I'm in parterre. Gut, gut, gut. Match over. It's like throw somebody, man. Throw somebody. You are so big. I mean, I'm 255 pounds. I'm about five ten, two fifty five. He makes me look tiny. The extra ten kilos has extended his career for at least two years. It's been it's crazy. Yeah, I agree, and and you know it's not like the Russians are above uh, trying to buy a match, and, and he did not either. He wasn't made an offer. He didn't accept the offer uh, in the second round when he had Makov. So I, I find it hard to believe that the Turks came in with a with a bigger war chest than the Russians did. But maybe there's a difference. Maybe finals, man. There's no. You've got to make the finals first. You've got to make the finals well, to guarantee. You know. I hear you. Yeah, maybe that was this whole thing is, look, I'm, I'm not for sale until it's for a medal. Or, you know, if you are the Russians, you're going to take one look at that bracket and say, look, we can get past this guy. We are definitely going for a medal. 
uh, at least likely. I, I don't know. That's all speculation. It's unfortunate that we have to speculate on it because it is true and it does happen, and it's disappointing when it does. Now, moving on, women's freestyle. We saw two women's world champs in the U.S., and we saw arguably two of the greatest wrestlers of all time win the thir- their 13th and 10th world championship. I'm talking about Saori Yoshida and Kaori Icho of Japan with their uh, 13th world title, three Olympic golds for, for Yoshida, 10 world titles, three Olympic golds for Icho, and then Helen Maroulis winning her first world title, granted, albeit at a non-Olympic weight, and then uh, Adeline Gray winning her third, and then a world title back-to-back at 75 kilos. What were your impressions of the women's performance? Well, you know, I loved it. That women's wrestling is a real thing. Uh, it, you know, it used to be the JV act, but it's not anymore. Uh, you know, the, the guys are in the stands studying those women ever much as, as an MMA guy is studying Ronda Rousey. Uh, you know, it's a real sport with real competitors. It's taken very seriously. They have very good coaches. I mean, geez, look at our coach. We, we, we've got... Uh, Terry Steiner coaching the women. He, he, he's as good as any coach uh, you can put on uh, on the mat within this country. Um, you know, and these other countries seem to be following suit, which is really great for the sport. I was very proud of, uh, of mm-hmm. Helen in, in Adelaide, and I, I, I just thought, you know, I, I just thought it was a wonderful moment for, for our girls. But those Japanese girls are special, man. They, they, they really are a very, very special talents. Yeah, and then Ari Tosaka comes in. She's 22, just won her third world title at, at 48. So uh, there there were some loaded weights there. I mean, Adeline uh, going through. I mean, last year she had the draw from hell. This year she was pretty much the favorite. Uh, you know, you know, got got caught there in the semis to the girl she was wrestling for the worlds last year, and then you know rolled off through, and then then end up winning the match. And then China's always kind of been a problem for her, regardless of the athlete is, but you know gives up the first takedown, try to go body lock. She likes to go for the throw. She wanted a throw. In the finals, and I think once she got taken down with that uh, that head that head and arm attempt, it's like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to go back to uh, to where I'm good. So, where what was impressive? I mean, you know, athletes at you know what's what's considered the heavyweights, she's got a really good ankle ace, and she knows how to use it. Yeah, and you know, you speak of the ankle. Yes, she does. She absolutely does. And when she goes back to the basics, that's where she scores scores her points. Just good straight line defense there, but. Uh, the leg lace and the techniques that guys are using and the small adjustments they're making, even once the, the feet are crossed. You know, when I was wrestling, I learned my first leg lace in 1987. If you could cross the guy's legs, you were going to score points. Well, now you can cross his legs, and that's just the beginning to the setup. you got to adjust and readjust, and you pull him this way and push him that way, and then you, you reverse the, the ankle leg. The effectiveness, I mean, it was the most devastating hold of the entire uh, tournament on the highest levels. You know, you saw that Turkish heavyweight, what he does once he crosses those ankles up, you're done. Uh, it was more effective than the front headlock or the gut wrench. Frankly, by my memory, it's more effective than the front headlock and the gut wrench combined. Uh, it, it was just so devastating. And it's such a beautiful technique. You know, the leg weights is such a beautiful attack. I, I, I'm glad that it's back. I'm glad that you can turn it more than once. I think if you go to that effort, that skill set, you ought to be rewarded by rolling that guy every which way but loose. Uh, but, yeah, man, I mean, to your point, they, they had great ones. And we do in America, historically, from Zeke Jones to John Smith to Kendall Cross, you know, we've always had good ankle lengths. Yeah, that's one of those things now with the, with the way the rule set is. You know, chain wrestling, you know, finishing that single and going right to the lace. We've seen Jordan Burroughs improve with that. We've seen Brent Metcalf improve with that. But, you know, as far as the technique goes 
in, in chain wrestling at that point, you had touched on what it was like, you know, back in the day. From a defensive standpoint, what you know, there's still a lot of lot of ways to, to get out of there, but I mean you you know, to set that thing up, there's a guy that knows it's coming, he's got to fight it. So I mean there's that much more that goes into actually hitting that thing. Yeah, and that's that's where I can really have my appreciation for is is the defenses have grown ever been as much as the offenses. So, you know, when a guy finally locks that in, and you'll see guys take their time. Jordan Burroughs is an example. You know, he locked a leg leg, but he could, he could see. I couldn't see it, but I could tell that he couldn't feel whatever it was he wanted to feel. So he took his time. He readjusted. He got a deeper lock. And then when he began the motion, he scored the points. And, uh, you know, Ramos is another guy, particularly in drilling. Uh, he didn't quite have the same success uh, this last week, but you know when I watch him drill, it's never just a takedown, let the other guy up. It's a takedown, cross his ankles, then you let him up. So uh, it's just really good habits for the Americans. You know, obviously you you touched on the point that you know you, you kind of get a little bit of benefit of the doubt when when it's on home soil. But uh, you know, when when you look at it from an American viewpoint, before we fully get into the freestyle portion of it, where were, where were you pleased? Where were you uh, disappointed as an American wrestling fan? As somebody that's you know you know, wrestled at, at, at the senior level, you're a wrestling fan, you keep up with it. You, you, when, when you're talking wrestling, you're not putting on a show. You're, you're a wrestling guy. Well, I think when it comes to, you know, the way we wrestled as Greco, again, it, it's all about getting better. It, it doesn't matter if you're our team, the Iranians, or even the Russians that are the world champions. You have to get better. You've got to keep improving. And I thought it was just very clear that our Greco guys had improved. You know, even, even Harry Lester, who is arguably our most talented guy as an athlete, uh, our most likely guy to be able to make it in either style and not just be forced into one, uh, you know, he's had some conditioning problems in the past where he has just flat out got tired. And, you know, he got tired out there this week too, but he got tired because he was working so damn hard. Uh, he was pulling hard. His defense was hard. He came from behind in two different matches where uh, in the past, a lot of times that would rattle him. If you get ahead of, of Harry Lester, you were usually going to win the match because um, he'd help you. You know, He'd help you eat up the clock, and he would just kind of defeat himself. Now he just wrestled through those positions, and that's something that Matt Lillian has preached on You know, from the time I was 17 and he was uh, the assistant coach at my high school. You just keep wrestling. You don't, you don't ever stop, and I could really just see some of those things that that Matt used in his own career and the things he uh, preaches as a coach, I can see that these guys have bought in and they, they respect him a lot. I felt terrible for Jordan Holm. Um, I think he can beat that guy. It was a fair and square match. Uh, I, I don't argue that at all, but I think he could beat that guy. He, he gave up the three points and just wasn't able to recover, but I thought he wrestled hard. I think his heart's impressive. I think the way he competes is impressive. But in, in Greco-Roman, where your opportunities are more limited, uh, as opposed to freestyle, you know, when you get down by three points in Greco, it's very difficult to come back, uh, at least in comparison uh, to freestyle or even a collegiate situation, you know, where you, you could take a guy from feet to back and hold him there and get your three count in, in the NCAA. It's a little harder in Greco. So, uh, you know, Jordan wrestled really well, but when he gave up those points, it, it's just tough to come back. Yeah, one thing about Harry is looking at it's, it's you know you know when he goes to the army he's Justin Lester but he was out there wrestling us for a couple of rounds like he was Harry Lester I mean he's he's going big throws he's hitting big fours he was exciting uh, I think I think he just uh, you know when Harry 
makes when he gets tired, he gets sloppy. And that, that speaks to your point about him kind of giving, you know, helping him out. But, uh, you know, it was, you know, and then Toshkent last year, he got behind and he tried to, you know, the Harry Lester stuff that he can hit with the guys that are, you know, on the developmental ladder in the States. He's not going to hit that against Rizul Chinaev. So, uh, you know, he, he was, I didn't think he was nearly as sloppy when he got tired late. I mean, he was, he was breathing hard the match before. Uh, then, you know, Chinaev was just ready for him this time. <laughs> Yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, and, and that match where, where he was behind, I can't remember the opponent, he, and, he, and he threw him in the, in the head and arm. Uh, you know, but he timed it perfectly. It wasn't going to be a slip hold in a nice tight lock on there, and then his athleticism kicked in. He's explosive as heck. He's got fantastic hits. He brought him through, popped the guy, launched him all through the air. I mean, you know, that is Harry Lester, and then you see that big smile come across his face. So that smile's a big deal for Harry Lester because when he's having fun, Jason, he's a totally different guy. And when he goes out with all sorts of pressure on himself, when he goes out and just wrestles, it's a totally different guy. It's almost another gear of speed. It's almost another gear of, of techniques that he goes for as opposed to holding his ground and pummeling. And there's a time and a place for that. But when you're a guy like Harry Lester that, that was blessed with all the right gifts to be the king of the world uh, at this sport, man, you've got to go out there. And, and, and let loose and have some fun. And, and, you know, every time he was out there smiling and proud of himself and relaxing, he was also scoring. And I, and I think, you know, that, that's my analysis. If, if he was sitting in my living room, that's what I would tell him is, look, Harry, you're, you're, the, you're the one guy that actually can go out and have some fun. And everybody else, this is a dogfight. But for you, go out and have, some, have a little fun out there. And when he does, he puts points up. We're talking about headlocks. There was one thing I saw the most, one of the prettiest headlocks of the tournament came in a bronze medal match with uh, Yadav from India against the uh, the kid uh, from France with the Chechen name. I mean, did you you have a chance that to catch guy. that one? Yeah. Oh, that poor. What was he? He was head by eight. He needed one takedown. He got launched in a head and arm, and it was over. Um, I remember saying, yeah, I was like, man, this, this French guy is pretty tough. And I turned around and I go, said very few people ever. And I was, you know, we're, we're making, we're making French jokes, you know, it's not like it's, it's vindictive or anything. And I turn around and then, well, he got pinned. And then there was, you know, it's, uh, you know, I don't know. A, 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 and I give up joke in there anyway. I, I didn't say, no, I didn't say anything like that on the microphone, but it was like, well, no, no. you know what? I get your comment though. I get your comment. You know, you know, historically France has had a good wrestler every few years and it's usually just one of them between the three styles. And you, you have this kid come out. He's a young guy. He's an absolute hammer. He's about to get a tech ball in a world championship. And I was thinking the same thing. Like, man, this isn't the guy as I'm reading the bracket that I'm going to be worried about. And then, and then he did everything right. He did everything that Dan Gable would tell you to do. He went forward. He kept trying to score, but he did everything right. He could have stalled. He could have stood his ground. He could have even given up a few push-outs and just eaten up the clock, but instead he went for it. And, yeah, that aggressiveness bit him nine out of ten times. He had the right strategy. I feel terrible for him. But, that you know, look, that's what we got to wrestle the full six minutes. So, you know, good for the Indian kid. And you know what? I just noticed you do something, Brian, that drives me. Did you just call a head and arm a headlock? In that particular instance, I did. So let me tell you where this came from. Steve Frazier, who, God bless him, he's done more for Greco-Roman wrestling in this country than anybody else. Not only did he win us a gold medal and nobody else could, but then he stuck around and coached gold medal. But he named it a headlock. Now, that is the first move you will learn on your first day of wrestling, no matter how old you are, and it's called a head and arm. And in the rule book, a headlock is illegal. 
and only the Americans yell out a, a by definition illegal hold and then teach guys to do it, and then during a match would yell out the name of an illegal. I mean, they they might as well name some some whole poking in the eye. It's illegal. <laughs> I've actually heard coaches say called, that, though. That is called a head and arm. It's always been called a head and arm. Coach Frazier changed the name, and everybody else went along with it, but me, I am protesting it. Headlocks are illegal. You must have an arm in there. Page 18 of the rule book called a head and arm. I usually refer to it as you know if if I miss it I see a big throw I'm not sure if it's a head and arm or if it's a or if it's a toss from a you know jack somebody up with double unders if I see something out of the corner of my eye I'm not going to say something it is and I'm just usually going to say head throw usually meaning they've grabbed the head and they've thrown them in some manner there you so go. that's how I that's how I get around I'll it from a that. broadcasting standpoint I will drink to that but I've always resisted the the the, the, the renaming of the world's most basic move into. An illegal move, which is a head, you can't do headlocks. In any of the three stops of wrestling, they're illegal. You can do a so front head. Well, you can do a well. What about the front headlock? There you go. But you have to put the word front in front. When I used to live at the training center, but you Anatoly don't you have to have an arm at least in some situations. I mean, otherwise it's a straight choke. That's right. It's illegal. That's what the rule book says too. When I used to live at the training center, Frazier was still the coach, and Anatoly was running the room. And when Anatoly would yell, headlock, headlock, everybody go do a headlock, except me. I would snap the guy down into a front headlock. And he would always come and yell at me, but this is my way of protesting, saying, no, coach, I am doing a headlock. This is, this is the only headlock you can do. The other one is a head and arm. So what's your, what's your opinion on the word? You know the word I despise the most in the sport of wrestling. Tell me. Pinfall. There's no such thing. No such thing. Thank you. Yes, it's a pin or it's a fall. A pinfall is in professional wrestling or it's in bowling. And I can't believe I've actually said that word on my show, but I did it to prove a point because I need a backing of a guy like you that understands, you know, the the terminology, understands how important it is to say head and arm instead of headlock. It is. It does matter. You can't rename the oldest move in wrestling and name it with something that by, by word is in the rule book as a band hold. And I agree with you. I've heard the pinfall one, too. And it uh, yeah, dri- drives me crazy. I'm backing you up on that. All right. Now, we're, we're, so, we've gotten a little off topic here. So we, we need to circle back. we got a couple world champs. We, we've touched a little bit on, on Kyle Snyder. But uh, I said this in kind of my intro for the previous episode of Short Time here. And, uh, you know, I served as, as one of the PA announcers for the event. And this, these, this is a type of role where it's not about me. My goal here is to call the names correctly, give the score correctly, inform the fans. And from an athlete's perspective, my, I, I wanted to give the best call I could for every world champion. Now, Ken Berger and I split up the calls. You know, if, if a red wrestler won, he would call the win. If a blue wrestler won, I would call the win. The way we introduced him out on the mat. Now, then the situation when Kyle Snyder comes out, he gave me that. He put that out on a tee, and he let me drive it home. So uh, from an emotional standpoint, I was doing the audio in, in uh, Istanbul when Burroughs won his gold medal. Seeing that unfold for the first time, it's hard not to get emotional when you're in that role. You're in the moment. You're calling the action for thousands of people listening. And as a PA announcer, it was kind of the same thing. I didn't get that emotional when, Ad, uh, when Adeline won or when Helen won because I think they were expected to win. You know, As far as Adeline goes, she was expected to win. I, I knew her family pretty well, so I was happy for her. Lee Jane's provisor, known her a long time. I got a little emotional when she won a bronze. But when Kyle Snyder's up there and – 
He wins it, and I get the and then Kenny Berger set me up, and I felt like I gave him the best call I could as a PA announcer. That eight thousand people in there would just roar afterwards. You know that I, I I had to fight through it, man. It was hard. I don't know if you understand where I'm coming from here, but it's like I can't. You know, I was breathless at that moment because what I had just seen unfold in front of me, a 19-year-old American beat a Russian on September 11th to win a freaking world title. It was, it was Jason, pretty damn it was, glorious. <laughs> buddy, it was beautiful the way you did it. The, the way you presented him to the world as world champion was absolutely perfect. And I didn't know that backstory. That's very cool that you got the nod and you got to do that. But you knocked that one out of the park. And I'm with you. You know, he, he should not have won that match. Uh, in terms of he's a 19-year-old kid that was second in, in his conference. He was second in a college tournament. And a few months later, you know, he, he puts on the size. He puts on the muscle. He stays focused. Uh, and he takes out one of the greatest wrestlers alive. You know, don't forget for, for Gadisov to make uh, the Olympic team in 2012 – in his bracket that day at Russia Nationals was Gensal of the 2004 Olympic champion, and I can't pronounce the guy's name, starts with an M, who was the 2008 Olympic champion. Well, Gadizov had to beat them both, had to beat the two former Olympic champions in the same day, and he did it running away. That's how good Gadizov is. Uh, you know, Kyle Schneider went out there and took care of business. It, 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 it's boy, it's going to be unbelievable how good Schneider gets. As long, he only has to do one thing, and that is stay motivated. As long as he stays motivated, you haven't seen anything yet. All right, see, because you know my inner stat nerd is driving me nuts here. So you're, we're, we're going away. The name is escaping me. It's a Ruski. Oh well. Are you thinking about the 2008 Olympic champion that I just talked about? And I couldn't, I couldn't produce his name either. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Let's see. Uh, well, because they have Akhmedov that wrestled that was a silver because Tamazov won it and won there. Oh, are you talking about the 96 kilo? Oh, you're, we're talking 96 kilo. That would have been. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, Muradov. Okay, I got you. Muradov. Yeah, I said it started with an M, so I, I, I did all right on that one. But you know, in my defense, Muradov only represented Russia one time at a World or Olympic Championship, and he won the gold medal. He never made the team again because now all of a sudden, Gedisov moves up uh, from downweight. Gedisov is who Jake Herbert beat in the semifinals the year. Herbert uh, was a runner-up, and I believe it was at 2009. Uh, might have been more like 2010 even. But the year that Herbert got the silver, that's who he beat. It was a huge upset. Uh, that's back when it was still a three-round system. Jake got whipped in the first round and just wore the guy out, found a way to win the next one and win the third one. Um, but, I mean, the guy's an absolute hammer, an absolute hammer. Now, if you want to talk about parity in that way, I love that they want to bring in uh, the Russian kid we were talking about earlier that wanted at 19 years old. I would prefer they brought in the Iranian. Let's get uh, Yazdani in there. Let's get Yazdani healthy. You know, he tried to make a lot of claims after Varner won his medal, but it went to the wrong guy. He might have been right. Uh, so let's get him in there. Let, let's see how he does in that way. And I think that I would, I want to see uh, him and Schneider wrestle. I think you, you, you got you to gotta make it right with the Iranian that was missing. Well, and there's one thing I actually wanted to bring up before because you keep an eye on this thing, and I'm wondering if I'm not the only one that's noticed this is because on my newsletter that I send out, 
Uh, but uh, about 300 people get it. And I get all these Google alerts and things from, from wrestling news around the country. And there's a lot of news that comes out of India. That country covers their wrestling pretty good. They talk about Yogeshwar Dutt. They talk a lot about Sushil Kumar. And Kumar at the same weight as Yadav, who qualified the country. And we haven't seen Kumar wrestle in a couple years. And all these newspapers are like, all right, well, oh, he's, he's preparing for Rio. He's, uh, he's got a nagging injury. He's, he's, you know, Yadav is, is going to qualify the country. And then, you know, we, we will decide who the best wrestler is for Rio. Now, this is a guy who hasn't wrestled a Felix, or a United World Wrestling Competition in a bit of time here, and he's talking about Rio hasn't wrestled the last two years. What are you thinking here? I, I think something's fishy with this. Yeah, Kumar's done. And Kumar had an amazing run when he won the championship, and then he, he even came back and found himself in the finals again, which nobody was more surprised that he returned to the finals than him. Uh, and neither one of those things are knocks, but a lot of times when they climb, when an athlete climbs that mountain, uh, they, they don't often make it back to the top. They lose motivation. That's what I was just saying. My concern is which side. They lose motivation because they've already achieved their life's work. He is an example of that. He, he achieved it. He really never looked the same since. Even the year when he did return to the finals, he still wasn't near as good as what he was when he won the gold. Now, he is something very special, and I'm not knocking on him one bit, but I do think that his time has passed. Yeah, there's something about the time off and looking to, towards Rio. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm saying this without saying it. I just wonder how big he is when he's, how big he's going to be when he comes back. That's, I'm just leaving that out there. Yeah. See what happens, Chill. You come on my show, and I start going tabloid news. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, but it's fun. See, it's so fun because we've got a lot of this in our sport. I mean. You know, let's go look at poor Reese Humphrey. So Reese Humphrey, who's a straight-up killer, he's one of the best guys on earth, at 145 pounds, he's just one of the guys. And I don't say that as a knock, but he was in Cuba earlier this year. Uh, let me do the math. Was it this year? Did he go at the very end of last year? But he goes over to uh, Havana. Uh, he runs into some 45-and-a-half pounds, including Aaron Pico, uh, who texted him, I believe. And the point is, you know, he just, he's right in between those weights. When he's not at the right weight, he's not wrestling the same. And the same goes for the guys that did it at 70 kilos this year. The, the, the junior world stud that beat the, the C-level defending champion from Iran. Uh, where's he going to go next year? Uh, if he goes up a weight class, he's just going to be one of the guys. If he goes down a weight class, he's going to cannibalize his body, particularly at the young age that he's at, not the right losing weight when your body's trying to gain. Then you got the Russian that, that, that kicked this kid's ass in the final. Well, what's he going to do? Is he going to go jump in to the, you know, the Russian they stuck on the mat with five forward burrows, uh, plus you bring back Sargouche. It's going to be all three of them, just iron on iron on iron in the Russian Nationals. I, you know, these guys get stuck in between. Even Kyle Schneider is stuck in between. When Kyle Schneider goes back to the NCAA in two years, is he going to go 97? peel off all this muscle that he put on to make 97? Well, maybe. Is he going to go up to heavyweight? Well, that's not a great sign because for freestyle, he's not likely to ever be quite big enough to compete internationally in heavyweight, which means he's got to find his way back to 96 kilos. He's kind of stuck, too. The best dude in the world, he'll figure it out, but he's stuck at a weird weight. And where I'm going with this, Jason, is it infuriates me that there is no movement being made right now to bring us back to the 10 weight classes we used to have the exact same movement and organization that we had successfully to restore Olympic and the wrestling games 
uh, restore wrestling in the Olympic Games, that same movement and effort needs to be going on right now to get us our weight classes back. They are cannibalizing the sport, and everybody seems to have just kind of settled in and gone, well, good for us that we're still here. To hell with that. We just sold out a major auditorium in the most major entertainment city on the face of the planet, okay, for six straight days. We found ourselves on ESPN getting coverage. We have made it. We are doing a great job. Give us more weight classes. Yeah, I think there is actually some discussion because the the way the IOC has kind of redone some things, I think that – the the discipline issue that was that was such the big deal in in 2013. I think they've lifted that, so I think the door is open. I think they're just trying to get back on the Olympic. Uh, they're they're trying to be confirmed beyond 2020 before they start, uh, you know, ro- rocking some boats about the weight classes. I think they need to be on sure. firm ground before they they do that fight. I've I've heard that from a couple people. I'm not sure exactly who I heard it from. That we're wearing uh, United World Wrestling logos, the lapel pins. So. Uh, there, I know that is definitely. I don't know if they're ever going to get back to ten, but at least if they they're they're going to eight because you know even at the the non Olympic year, eight weight classes is better than seven, and it's definitely better than six. So I mean, at least with the non Olympic weights, we had the sixty one in there. We had we had the seventy in there uh, for for freestyle. So I mean, we see you know guys like James Green get it, get an opportunity here. So. Uh, you know, eight. I, I would be content with eight. I'm not going to be happy with eight, but uh, that, which kind of leads to another point that I heard on the. Uh, there was a good point in the message boards today about uh, Jordan Burroughs, which is kind of a natural segue into the segment here about him. He's won five straight medals in an era with less than ten weight classes. That in itself is freaking amazing. It, 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 it's almost beyond words what Burroughs has done. Um, he also did it at a time with rule changes. You know, that was the one thing that when, when people talk about the greats, they all love to bring up Satya, uh, and I do too, but when you bring up Satya, if you're going to tell the whole story, it's relevant that he won those gold medals in, with all different sets of rules each time. Uh, a lot of guys, it was rule changes, and they never made it to the top of the stand again. They just, they, they just couldn't really adapt and confine uh, to some of those changes. So, you know, Burroughs did. Burroughs just keeps adapting. He keeps changing. He keeps getting better. You know, I mean, even domestically, he, he's beaten Kyle Dake far easier than he ever he, he, he did in previous years. Um, man, that's really rare. You get a guy that good, and you're telling me he's going to get even better? Because what that means is he's still disciplined. He still focuses on his diet. He still gets up in the morning and puts in the runs. He still goes in in the afternoon and works his ass off. That's just a hard thing to do when you've already achieved your goal, uh, you know, but Burroughs is doing it. He's just, ah, he's, he's such a rare talent. I think he's the best athlete alive. I don't think uh, there's a man or woman alive in any sport and any walk of life that is the caliber of athlete he is. And it, it saddens me and infuriates me that he doesn't get that recognition. Uh, but at the same time, I, I'm very appreciative that he keeps on walking out there, pulling those straps up and putting it on the line for us. Yeah, another another thing about Burroughs, and I've been kind of riding this uh, this wave a little bit, is you know he's got a pair of shoes out. Actually, he's got three pairs of shoes out that uh, they're all the same model. They're the JB Elite TRs. These are not wrestling shoes, Jail. These are cross trainers. These are shoes that every Tom, Dick, and Harry on the street can wear. I have two pair. I have the red ones. I have the gray ones. I'm waiting to buy the the two pack ones because 
well, I don't need another pair of wrestling shoes. I need to collect wrestling shoes that aren't wrestling shoes. Like, you know, my next door neighbor's got 300 hair Jordans. We finally got our own pair of Jordans and they're Jordan Burroughs. So I'm not a shoe snob. I was never, I have one pair of wrestling shoes. I, I, I don't know where my first pair ever is. I've got a, a gently used pair of Rulons from like 2004, but I'm going to be able to buy JB Elite TRs uh, from, from ASICs because they're, and they're a shoe I can wear to the mall. Be like, yeah, these are the Jordan Burroughs. How big do you think that is? It's just a test run right now, but you know that that's that's a door that could open a, a very good opportunity for some of these companies, like like Reebok for like Nike for like Asics for Adidas to be like, all right, well we've got wrestling shoes, let's make a branded you know, a cross trainer shoe. This is the shoe that this guy, this Olympic champion, wears when he works out. I think it's huge. You know, the, the first thing you need is that opportunity and get that, that company behind you and get the shoe made. But the next thing you need is sales. So, you know, all we have to do as a wrestling community, look, everybody listening to this owns a pair of wrestling shoes. Half the people listening to this are getting ready to buy their kid a wrestling shoe for this upcoming, uh, you know, season. Go get them Jordan Burroughs shoes. It's as simple as that. Back the company, sit back up. Yeah, but the thing is, even the parent now can buy a pair of Jordan Burrow shoes that aren't wrestling shoes. So if the and kid so, like the kid likes Jake Varner, let him buy Varners. You can still buy the Jor- uh, the Burrow shoes because you're 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 a you know gut hanging over your your waist type of dad sitting in the stands. You can at least support wrestling with shoes. You don't need to wear wear, wear wrestling shoes. That's where I'm going with it. No, I, and I think it's an excellent point. I think it's a great shoe. I don't have it myself yet, but you've sold me on it. When we get off the phone, I'm going to go to eBay and get myself a pair. I tell you, I've got I got both pair, and I know there's here's another thing. There's a two pack out there, from and I talked to Jordan after the press conference, and I was wearing my my gray ones. He goes, "Yeah, you got to get these," and I'm like, "Well, they come in the two pack, man. I like the design, but I don't have the need for a pair of wrestling shoes now. Maybe I could sell my Rulons on eBay and pay for them, but you know, it's one of those things. Like I I'm not a market guy for the wrestling shoe, but for me to get the third shoe, I have to buy a wrestling shoe. So maybe I'll swap it out, and I don't know, maybe sell my Rulons. You've done your part. Are these guys a sponsor of the podcast? They are not. I was going to say, they because that was the hell of an organic-style plug right there. Good for you if they were. Well, and it's also, I don't know if you, you, you saw this on Facebook. There's a picture. I was messing with my daughter. My daughter, three-year-old kids, they, you know, when your kids get that old, you're going to be amazed on how much they, they pick up. And she's walking around. She looks at my shoes. She goes, that says Asics. And then she looks at the other pair of shoes. She goes, that says Asics. And I was wearing my red Asics hat. She goes, That's, that means Asics. I'm like... So I tagged ASICs in the uh, the Facebook post. They actually replied to it. So I'm working on that, Shale. I like where your head's at. I'm working on that one, though. That's pretty good. I like it, man. So anything else we got for you? Because, uh, you know, Shale, son, the last time we talked, we talked. The interview was about an hour, but the phone call was two and a half. And I understand you've got, oh, you've got some things. We been on? I feel like we just got started. What, are we almost done? No, See, I'm just wondering what, where we're at. We're at, fi- we're, we're at 50 minutes in, brother. I'm just wanting to know what, what else is on your mind here. See, this is what happens to me when I when I start talking wrestling. Time just flies by. I mean, I got all sorts of stuff on my mind. I I, I thought Samos. I mean, he just represented himself so well. I, I I'm so proud of him and, and the way that he fights. You know, what, what tough guys do. He always talks about tough guys, but you never define what that means. A tough guy goes hard the whole time, no matter what the score is. If he's ahead by a hundred points or he's behind by a hundred points, he's going hard. That's what tough guys do. And there is nobody tougher. Than Tony Ramos, and, and you know the points don't always represent it. Uh, uh, but as far as the grit and determination goes, uh, it's all there. And his time is definitely—he can beat any of those guys. I mean, you saw him come from behind to pin 
Henry Cejudo, the 2008 Olympic champion. There's no question that, that Tony Ramos is amongst the, the baddest dudes in the world, but you do have to have that right day, you know, and it hasn't come yet. And Zach Ray, you know, i got to be a little bit critical. The son of a bitch is so big, Jason, that he can't move when he needs to. He's very hard to score on. But if you do, if you can get those points, and then you can start controlling that space, he has a hard time getting to you and scoring when he needs a point. And uh, I don't know how he's going to correct that because a lot of it is a size issue. You know, he's so big and he's so strong and he uses that so well to his advantage. I don't propose that he takes some of that size off at the same time, I mean, there's times when he's out there like molasses running uphill. He's just not fast enough or explosive enough to get in on a guy, particularly a guy that has quit wrestling. You know, some of those overseas guys, they're so good at getting some points. The Iranians are the best at it. You know, grab an under, grab your head, tension, tight, bend your knees, nice and low, get your head tight to the mat. It's just hard to get through. And once the guy has a couple of points, he doesn't have to score anymore. Now you've got to find a way to open him up. Jordan Burroughs, master of making guys do that, master of scoring points when a guy is not, not wrestling yet. And, uh, and Zach doesn't have that skill set. I don't know how to fix it, but it, it, you know, it was the one criticism. I'm watching my computer screen yell and score Zach, and you know, he moves so damn slow. His, his setups just weren't there. He's got to work on uh, some fluidity uh, if, you know, if he's going to go on that level. He just does. Yeah, one thing I noticed though is you know he's wrestling Alan Zasiev of, of Ukraine in the first round, who was the uh, silver medalist in Budapest, and then the next round, you know, I mean, and that's the thing that's we're drawing the Americans early is not necessarily a good thing for the American draw because if you lose, you've basically spent. Now Zasiev, the next match, he got up eight nothing against uh, Gino Petriashvili from Georgia. The kid won a junior world title. The kid is you know phen- phenomenal. He was actually beating Adam Kuhn a couple years ago in the cadet finals, and then, you know, Kuhn took him, you know, he, he Kuhn countered a, a throw attempt and pinned him. So, I mean, this guy's, Gino's dynamic. So Gino's down 8 nothing against Zasiev, and this is in the next round after Zasiev beats Zach Ray. And then Gino comes back and scores eight, oh, I think it's 16 straight points. The guy had nothing left because he had right. already wrestled enough, got ahead. Well, he was tired from Zach Ray beating him up, but, you know, it was it was a fight. So it's like when everybody, anybody that wrestles Metcalf then loses in the next round, they're toast. Yeah, and that was the unintended consequence of the new bracketing system. In fact, Brandon Slay talked about this as one of his takeaways from the Cadet World Championships is that, you know, even if you're Mark Hall, you're a stone-cold killer, you run into another killer, you know, you go up there and have a great match. You're the two best guys you could have wrestled in the final. But now that guy, because he just fought you so hard uh, for six minutes, now that guy is so tired, he's going to go out and underperform. That's what the Iranians did after Brent Metcalf took him out behind the woodshed. Even though the guy had more points, he was done. He had a right to be done. He had the right to be exhausted. He should have been. He was in a war, but with the new bracketing format where it's not a two-loss elimination, it's one loss in your out unless that guy goes to the final, it makes it tough. And we don't all, on Saturday night, you know, at 7 p.m., we don't always see the right four people get medals put around their necks. Sometimes they're just the, the right people in the right place. I got no problem with that. That's not meant to be a knock, but it, I, I, it does discourage me to some of the other tough guys that come to our NCAA uh, program and are used to coming back through. And, and, and you know, we used to have guys, John Smith comes to mind, you could get a loss 
Keith Lynn and end up in a round robin situation and even cross bracket into the final. That was a pretty good way to do things. The problem was it created so many matches. And again, wrestling has decided to cannibalize itself so bad they don't want a whole lot of matches. So this is they found a way to cut down on the amount of match. Same thing with overtime. You know, do do away with overtime, cut down on the amount of wrestling you have. Uh, now that rule I actually support. So I'm talking out both sides of my mouth on that one. But uh, you, you understand my point. It does create a problem. And every now and then, like you said, you run into an American who's got a motor on him. And he's going to push and push and push and even if you can find a way to get your hand raised, it's hard to walk through that tunnel 40 minutes later and do it again and do it successfully. I don't know about 40 minutes, man. We're looking at 20 in a lot of these cases. <laughs> That's the minimum. Well, yeah, I think the rule, sorry to cut you off, the rule is 20, but if you're early on in the tournament, they just don't run them that fast. But between the quarters and the semis, you're absolutely right. And in the Repishaw, the Repishaw feels like five minutes. I mean, I, I, do, I do think they are giving the guys 20, but it doesn't feel like it. Yeah, as soon as that match is over, they hit save, and then that clock starts running because that was the last two matches we had to wait on one of those sessions. Sitting there, I'm like, all right, that match is over. The next thing you know, his name is up back on the board, and there's a countdown timer that says 1958, 1957, 1956, and they're in the shoot as soon as that thing hits zero. Yeah, no, it's unbelievable. It's just enough time for them to go in the back and, and switch their singlets that they're a different color and then walk back out. I mean, you do not warm up for your next match. Put it that way. You're already warm. You're still trying to cool down by the time you walk on the mat. I, and I think it's very admirable. You know, it brings what Makov did. Uh, it's even more perspective, going out and getting two bronzes in the same week. It's absolutely incredible. It's, it's like what the kids do in Fargo every week. But, you know, teenagers can do that a little. Teenagers can go wrestle 22 matches in five days a little easier than, than a 30-year-old kid. Yeah, so, uh, you know, with Makov, I mean, obviously, you know, there's the, the chatter with the UFC. What do you think his prospectus is at the, at, the, at the fighting level once he's done with the Olympic run? Well, I think he's been. I, I think he's going to do quite well. I think he's a great athlete. There's not a ton of great athletes in heavyweight fighting. Uh, generally, uh, specifically in America, if you are a big guy and you're a skilled athlete, uh, you go into one of the different sports, whether it's the NFL or the NBA or Major League Baseball. You you don't go and, and do fighting. So he's got that on his side right out of the gate. He's a master competitor. Now, as far as his skills, his, his skills aren't going to transition right away. Um, so many people have thought there, there would eventually be this Russian invasion into the UFC and they would take over much like they have in, in wrestling. But what we have found, Jason, is that it's the collegiate form of wrestling that trumps the other two. It trumps freestyle and Greco because even if you can get that takedown in America, we know how to get up. We know how to, hey, I don't like this position. I, I, I'm in a hand fight, get to my feet, get my hips away, turn and face you and start attacking again. Those other countries miss that. And it sounds like an easy fix maybe, but you as the wrestler, we know that it's not. It takes years and years and years to develop the ability to to get another man off of you when he doesn't want to. So uh, the foreign guys that have come over have not fared very well in comparison to to, to how we would think. You You get a world champion wrestler comes in, uh, even a Yoel Romero that, that stubs his toe quite a few times, and it's largely because that takedown on the uh, surface won't do it. You've got to be able to keep a guy down, and if you get taken in, you've got to be able to get your ass off the mat. And we have that in America. We have that. Our, our high school wrestlers uh, that have that 
uh, fight a little better even than international wrestling stars because they can do both aspects of it, uh, not just fend for top position every 30 seconds. So as we move to the next level, what are some things that you think that our our Americans, as we as we get back to wrestling and we, we go down to six weights for the Olympics of Rio, it's it's kind of in the same. I mean, we're looking at hemispheres. It's it's not going to be. It's going to be a long flight, but we're we're looking at time change. It's not going to be as as crazy. Where do you see our Olympians coming out? Obviously, because there's guys that are on this world team that aren't going to be on the Olympic team at those weights. It's, it happens every year. So, you know, what are you looking at when it comes to the, the Olympics? Because, you know, we're going to have the, the Open is probably going to be, or a qualifier is going to be in December, in, in Vegas mid-December. The trials are in April in Iowa City again. Uh, at least maybe from a, from a freestyle Greco perspective, what, what are you thinking on, on who our best shots are for the Olympics? I mean, is there a guy on this te- that's not on this team right now uh, in either style that you think has probably got a good, real good shot at making the team? Well, they'll definitely be an outsider. Uh, every Olympic year, and you could go back to, you know, we won't miss a single one. Every single Olympic year, somebody comes from out of nowhere. Uh, never doesn't happen. Uh, Deichler came in one year. Uh, for Greco-Roman, what was that, 2008, Oscar Wood came out of nowhere. Uh, in 2004, like, his high, you know, Oscar's highest finish at the Open, I believe, was fifth place. And he had it multiple times. You know, he just wasn't one of the guys. comes out of nowhere. Brandon Slay. Uh, yeah, Brandon Slate, sixth, sixth in the country uh, in 1999, sixth at the U.S. Open in 1999, sixth at the World Team Trials in 1999, comes out not only make, wins the Nationals, wins the trial, wins the Olympic Games. So, yeah, that kind of stuff happens, and we're not going to be any different. The usual suspects, uh, you know, are, of course, uh, Stiegler, uh, of course, Dake, uh, of course, Aaron Pico, um, I think those are some of the usual suspects, but you're going to see some guys come out. Uh, I personally believe Jared Freyer is going to at least enter the contest. You know, can he still compete with those guys? I don't know. But that's what I love about Olympic year. Guys get Olympic fever and you start seeing these guys come back. You know, remember when Kendall Cross came back? Remember when we all thought Kale was going to come back? Remember when Lulon tried to come back? It's cool. It's a cool and exciting thing. So, uh, no, the, the the guys that made the team this year are somebody will get replaced, somebody will get beat. You've also got the pressures of Olympic year. You know, guys don't always wrestle the same when 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 their life's dream is on the line. So, uh, you know, let's see. And I think we might even see some mix up in the heavyweight division. I think G Wiz is is probably our best heavyweight. Uh, I don't know what Tyrell Fortune's going to do. He signed with Bellator and. Uh, you know, I just don't think he can beat anybody on the right day. I just don't know if he wants to. Travell got an injury. Uh, Zach Ray finding ways to beat him. Don Bradley's always dangerous. Um, you know, and then even right in the, right in the practice room, according to practice room reports, is that uh, Schneider doesn't typically get the best of J.D. Bergman. Uh, where was Jake Varner this year? Don't don't tell me he wrestled because because that guy that was out there saying he was Jake Varner is not the guy you and I know is Jake Varner. So. Uh, is he going to buckle down and, and, and get back and forth? I, I don't know. There's just there's there's just so many questions. Uh, Kyron Gadsden, who, who's now going to do freestyle, I don't think he's going to do typically well, but he might. He's a young guy. We don't know what he's going to do. He's in the room every day with one of the greatest wrestlers and coaches that America's ever had. There's there's so many moving parts, which is what I, and I love it. I'm speculating right now, Jason, but I I love to speculate. That's what keeps me interested as a fan. You know, and then in our smaller guys, it's always a dogfight. Tony Ramos is 
is clearly the toughest and best guy, but he's only the clearest and toughest guy by two points, right? He, he, he's a 3-1 win over, over Joe Cologne. So uh, anybody could come out. You know, is Nick Simmons uh, going to enter? Is he not? Is Kerry Kolak going to come back out? He's not going to. You get my point, man. It's Olympic year. Weird things happen. Andre Metzger. Andre Metzger. (laughs) (laughs) I wish. He was my pick. In 2012, I was telling anybody that would listen, Andre Metzger can make the Greco team. Andre Metzger was terrible at Greco. I don't know why why it didn't transition, but even his stance, he kind of had a freestyle stance, bent over at the waist. He never quite got his conditioning back. He was still my pick. I watched him wrestle at some kiss, and it was atrocious. Uh, but at the same time, I'm like, no, no, no. He, he just worked in the rough stop. You know, I, I picked Metzger all the way to the end, and I'm glad I did. I had fun for that whole year back in Andre Metzger. You know, he might be an interesting guy to get on. Uh, you're welcome, because I don't know if you're aware of what he's doing right now. He's down at uh, North Texas, and there they have a club team, an NCWA team. And they have started a Greco-Roman season. Once they get done with their, you know, the NCWA, yeah, they have the Nationals that's similar to say the, you know, the D1s, and the NAIs down in Texas. Well, now they're going to have a league of Go Greco. Basically, they're going to start a college league of Greco-Roman wrestling to try to create more interesting Greco. And, and Andre's kind of helping spearhead that effort down at, at down at North Texas. So uh, you might be able to get some good stories out of him and, and what he's doing because he he's got some stories, man. Oh, yeah. No, that guy's a tourist. I mean, he's got a move named after him. One of my favorite moves that, 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 I, that I used in, in fighting and in wrestling. I even used to be Greco Roman when I was behind just to be a dick every now and then. I, I, I go right to a Metzger and then look at the referee like I didn't know what was wrong with it. But Andre uh, calls every move he does a Metzger. He goes, oh, well, this Metz is this. Well, this Metz is this. See, he's got a, all his moves are Metzgers. He will take credit for every wrestling move ever created. So, yeah, that's a Metzger. Oh, he's like the Smurfs. Give me a Smurf of this. Give me a Smurf of that. Okay, I didn't know that Oh, he's a, yeah, he's he's a very. I didn't get to know him until you know. I guess the end of that uh, the my run at USA Wrestling, but uh, yeah, that was uh, he's he's definitely a character to talk to. But uh, now, as as we we're sh- shifting gears a little bit, because we've been talking we've been talking wrestling for a good solid hour. And Chael, I, I got to say, you know, we, you were one episode. We go back to episode ninety six. It was August of last year. This is before I left for Tashkent. Now we've coming back. We brought you on. You talked preview. You had me on your show. You're welcome. You weren't even really into the podcasting world when we talked last year. Now you've got like the most wildly successful sports podcast. I mean, you're you're battling the other marks of the world of, of professional wrestling to try to fight for that sports category. But you know, what what do you like about this medium, man? I'm I'm getting a lot of people into wrestling in it. I've got twelve shows that I handle myself, fourteen on my network. Talking podcast, you've got an opportunity to talk to professional wrestlers, amateur wrestlers, excuse me, collegiate and Olympic level wrestlers. The word amateur is in my head for some reason. And then you've got MMA fighters. I mean, there's, there's, you don't have a hidden agenda when it comes to talking wrestling on your show. What do you like about this whole podcast thing? Well, you know, podcasting is so fun. I'll tell you what I don't like, Jason. I don't like having a guy on and then it turns into an interrogation. You know, I don't want to sit there and ask a guy a bunch of questions. I wanted to come on and then have a conversation. That's all I want to do. When I start, my perfect day will be to start a podcast. Okay, you, you're my guest. You, you call in and I say, I say, Jason, how's it going? That needs to be my question. And then you and I just go from there. Kind of like what you and I have done here today. You steered this and you could just, you know, structure a little bit. But basically, you just, we turned it loose and we just started talking. That The fans enjoy listening to that, and it makes your and I's job pleasurable. Not just easy to do, it makes it fun to do. So that's what I like. I like to just come on, 
have a conversation. I had had some guests where, it, you know, it was like I was the FBI and they were there under subpoena. Uh, I was pulling teeth. They didn't want to be there. And I, I was just, you know, I, I just want to ask them, like, hey, when I asked you to do this interview, you could have said no. If, if you didn't want to come on here and talk, why didn't you just tell me no? I would have got somebody else. So as long as I have a guy that wants to conversate, he wants to add something, uh, and, and he knows the topics, we can have a lot of fun. And when it comes to amateur wrestling, I sure appreciate you having me on this because I am having the post-world blues. I'm, I'm completely down this week. I had to go and return the computers that I borrowed, uh, and I just can't wait until uh, until next year. And if you don't mind me, not that, since I'm being long-winded, I'll finish it with this. Uh, we were talking about what I think might happen in 2012. There are guys that aren't wrestling that are our best guys. Uh, Kale Sanderson came out and proved that in 2011. There are guys that are not suited up and don't have their Federation card that are the best guys. Uh, you know, guys like Andy Robot are in the room every single day uh, and can still compete at a high level. I think for Greco-Roman, uh, if Brad Barron were to come back, even in this limited time, if he, if he made a commitment today, started getting in the room once a week for, uh, you know, a month or so. Then he, he worked it up to two times a week. I think Brad Barron becomes the guy again. Uh, but I think we've got a lot of guys like that. You know, I keep, I keep mentioning Jared Frayer, but he's another guy that's never left wrestling. He works his ass off, uh, and, and he'd be right there uh, in, in the hunt. So Olympic year brings those guys out. I just want to encourage him to come out. Joe Warren comes to mind. He, he, he's the Bellator champion. He's in fantastic shape. He's got his weight under control. He goes to the training center in Colorado Springs and gets workouts with those guys for his uh, martial arts. Well, what's the difference, Joe? Throw on a singlet, put the $20 down, and, and, and go get four or five, you know, call a workout if you want. Go get four or five workouts in a day and see, see how you end up. So we've still got guys like that that can do it. King Mo is another one. Daniel Cormier. Uh, who won't do it now that Daniel's got a big million-dollar price tag for his presence, but he could. Daniel Cormier could come in and give Schneider and anybody else problems. So um, I would just love to see that happen. You know, that, that's what this country needs. We need guys to give back and continue uh, to participate. And Olympic gear brings them out. I think you and I could, could lure a couple of them out right now on this podcast. Well, and there's another thing too. Um, is you know Coleman Scott's coming down to 57. He's already made that abundantly clear. I uh, had him on the show, and he's going to be in his first year as a head job, Olympic year, and this is this is going to be his last go. But you know he's working his way down now to 57. He was cutting hard to make 60, and now he's got an extra six, you know six pounds to to whittle off now that he's running a program. So uh, you know maybe you know it's going to be interesting to see what he does, how big he's going to be. I mean, how, how often he's going to compete before the trials, because that's one thing. The trials, if you're a past world teamer and you're Olympian, I believe you can still just show up. I'm not, I don't think they've changed those procedures. That's why, you know, Randy Lewis can show up if he wants, you know, <laughs> Andre Metzger could show up if he wants. Well, so. I'll tell you this, Jake, they actually have changed it. And you are right. That's how it was for the longest time. They recently changed it, that you have to be a, a Olympian or a world team member in the last quadrennium. It used to be, an endless invite, but they have shortened it to the last four years. Oh, that should be interesting. You know, see, you, t- you taught me home. something today. See, I don't work in the office anymore. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not down on all the. Uh, you know, I'm. I'm just a caveman. I don't know nothing of your culture. You know, it's. Uh, but yeah, I'll I don't to, like I'm, it. I, I don't like it. I liked it when you could do. I, when I wrestled in the Olympic trials, Daryl Golar entered. I never met Daryl Golar. I wrestled in every tournament there was. I went to every press. So I never even met him. 
but he was on a world team in 1995, maybe 1994. But the point is, he had an open invite. He, he showed up, but it, it makes fun. It adds a guy in the I think the more bodies, the better. And USA Wrestling's done a lot of stuff to really limit those bodies. But I disagree with that. I agree. I really think we have fantastic leadership. I don't disagree with them all much, but I do on that. The more participation at every level. It's not just for the kids. When we go into the schools and we start recruiting kids to try to get bodies out there with USA membership cards, on every level, including the senior level, nothing trumps participation. And, and I do feel that that gets a little bit lost on, on the highest of levels. Last thing I want to touch on, and this is something I, I actually was something I wanted to talk about earlier in the show, but you know, like I said, we just had a conversation. We were just talking wrestling here. Is uh, I did not get a chance to go over to the UFC press conference because I was I was prepping for actually the night of the fights. Actually, I was I was in the the Orleans uh, movie theater watching straight out of Compton. But uh, Richard Immel went over to the press conference and, and some people from USA Wrestling, and they 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 sat through this like this two and a half hour press conference and it was I was seeing clips of it and you know Conor McGregor mouthing off and and Mendez and you know Richard Emmel showing me clips I'm like man I, I kind of wish I would have gone over there and you know they got to talk I, I got a chance to see Henry Cejudo he him and Albarison were were uh you know having a little shindig up in the 21st floor Brian Keck who uh, coincidentally may or may not have passed out in a closet at some point over the week um, throwing him under the bus completely, <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're talking about All the right. the uh, the press conference, and it's like you know, I I didn't know Cowboy Cerrone because I I really follow MMA from kind of a distance. I, I pay attention to the wrestlers that are in it. You know, I've had Johnny Hendricks on the show, I've had Phil Davis and Bubba and guys like that, but you know, I didn't know who Cowboy Cerrone really was until he was on your show, and I'm like, holy crap, man, I like this guy. And then I was sitting there, I was like, this guy's hilarious. So it's like, but the press conference situation. Uh, Richard Immel made a, uh, made a comment that was kind of controversial in terms of the wrestling, that we as a wrestling community could learn a little bit on how the UFC has press conferences and things of that nature and draw more interest to the sport. You've been part of those those monster press conferences, and you've, you've, you've seen the USA Wrestling Pressers, what, or maybe even any college wrestling preferences, uh, press conferences. What, what are some things that you think that we could borrow? You know, There's so much of that. We need to be like MMA. No, we don't need to be like MMA. We can borrow what works and keep, you know, keep the ring girls and that type of thing. On the on the on the spectacle MMA side, but what are some what's what's the one thing from a press standpoint that you think we could borrow from the UFC that works? Well, you know, if, if I may if I may give a more than one thing here is let's start with what has changed because uh, the way wrestling is presented uh, under UWW is totally different than Fila. Uh, starting right here domestically at Fargo, you know, the, the way that Fargo was presented was out. If you if you watch that and you're a young athlete, that's the kind of thing that inspires you and makes you go, I want to do that someday. You know, all, all the way down to the interviews afterwards, it was it was just truly well done. So what fighting has that we don't have is they know who's going to be wrestling on Saturday night. It's a one off, you know, one guy versus another guy. The, the thing that we don't get in the tournament format situation is we don't know who's going to make it. So we and we don't know who's going to wrestle in the first round, the second round the semi-round or the final round, we just don't know. So there's no way to promote a match. We're forced to promote an event. Well, promoting an event has never been as successful as saying, you know, the Patriots are going to play the Steelers, specifically. So uh, that's been a a little bit of a knock. Now, let me tell you something else that's happened. So Matt Lindland, with this in mind, Matt Lindland changes the process to make a Greco team where the U.S. national final becomes the first match of the wrestle-off. So now he can go and hold his world team trials 
specifically saying who is going to wrestle who. Flow Wrestling gets behind this and starts building packages for each guy. So now when you get to the event, and they, they happen to use uh, Cornell, when you get out to the event, it's completely sold out. Now, I will admit it's a small venue, but with that said, it's completely sold out. And there's a pre-roll package of Robbie Smith pop, uh, popping on saying why he's going to beat his opponent, and his opponent popping on saying why he's going to beat Robbie Smith. So you've got these MMA or boxing uh, components to it, and Matt Little was able to pull that off because he changed his system. It was a very wonderful thing to see. Even if you go watch the Cadet World, just the, uh, the boards they put in the background made it look as though it was audience flashing camera. You, know, you kind of had to squint your eyes and look and go, no, wait a minute. Now, now that's just a backdrop, but it was presented very, very well. And then what we just saw in Las Vegas, I mean, that was through the roof. You know, they were smart enough to bring in you know, the greatest voice in the business, Jason Bryant. They were smart enough, uh, you know, to bring in the showgirls, uh, which is, is just a, a culture of Vegas for the medals award. They had the spotlight, the sound, the music, the race. I mean, a beautiful, beautiful venue there at the Orleans. Just they did everything right. So, yeah, you're right. There is still some stuff we can do. But, boy, we've come a long way in two years. It is shocking how well the new president, uh, once we ousted those, those Felix, every bad word I can think of that I'm holding up in my tongue to represent those scumbags, now that we've ousted them, our new leader has done nothing but wonderful things uh, with wrestling. As far as the media goes, look, I'll give you a secret. The, the UFC used to bribe them. They don't have to anymore, but they used to have to bribe them. Uh, you, you come an hour early, great big steak dinner, complete with appetizers and desserts and an open bar, as long as you would then come to the press conference. Now the UFC has gotten so big, they'll now buy Dana dinner just to get a press ticket in. But that is how it started. I mean, it was PR 101, and, and they built the thing. Yeah, we could do a little better with media, but our problem with a, a press conference right now, Jason, is still that we don't know who's wrestling. You know, we just simply don't know. So we do our best. Take the NCAA. We hold a press conference the night before the final. But what in the hell are you going to promote 24 hours before an event? Nothing. It's, it's not going to work. So we're doing the best that we can. We've made huge, huge gains. Huge gains. Uh, and I think that it's going to continue to change. But our leadership really needs a, a, a pat on the back, man. We've got just the right guys in at USA Wrestling and even on the international level. Just the right guys for the first time ever. Talking with Jail Sonnen here. He's the, uh, I guess, what, what do you describe learning. yourself as? Learning, Jason. They're learning with Jail Sonnen. See, everybody got a little bit smarter to listen to the show today. So what do you classify yourself as? I mean, are, are you a talk show host? A genius. Yeah, genius. Okay. You know, we got the gangster. So, uh, you know, when I, when I introduce this show, when I do my post-production and have to, to lean it up, it's like, okay, today we got – actually, I just have to say Chael Sonnen, right? That's all I got to say? A blessing. Now, what's one thing One thing that uh, I guess there's still uh, – the, the, there's, there's this underbelly of people that, that kind of wonder why you get a time – why you get time on this show, why you get time on Flow Wrestling because of – you know, you know all the a things pleasure. that you, you you joke about now with you know pricking your butt with all sorts of stuff and you know like you said in the last show you know the first time it was like I didn't know you could only say that so many times why the silly me You're why yeah silly, silly me silly why why are you still why should you be regarded as a name people should listen to when we're talking wrestling 
Well, I tell you what, man, if it comes to me, I just love it. I've only got so many interests, Jason. I, I couldn't do this all day, right? If, if you were holding the cooking show, I love talking to you, but I, I wouldn't say, hey, Jason, put me on. Let me give you my recipe for a German chocolate cake. I have a few interests, and I, I'm very savant-like on those interests, and I'm very passionate about it. As it pertains to me and wrestling, I'm not part of that community anymore, but I want to be. I, I just I just can't. My, my body's just gotten a little bit older, and I, I just can't go in and go through the grind and, and, and get on the mat and do it. So I've had a transition, and this is how I still stay involved. So it's a big thrill for me, but I care about it a lot. I admire these guys, uh, you, you know, so much. What, what, what Tony Ramos and what Brett Metcalf, what these guys did, and these guys didn't even come away with medals. And, and, I, and I left there much like you with almost a tear in my eye of pride of the way they represented them themselves and their coaches and their families and their programs. And you and I, as fans, we got to be part of it too. Even if we're a teeny tiny part of it, we're still part of it, man, because we care and they're doing it for us. They're doing it to show off in front of guys like you and I, who guaranteed whether it's 3 a.m. in China or it's 10 a.m. in Las Vegas, we will be watching and cheering and supporting and we will talk about them forever after the fact. So we are part of it, even though it's small. You, you and I's contributions do definitely matter. And, you know, as far as it goes with wrestling, listen, I'm happy to play a game. You, you have any other fan that thinks that they know more, I'm, I'm open to it. Let's get a game of Jeopardy going. But my history goes pretty deep. Pretty deep. You can check out Chael Sonnen's show on Podcast One. It's one of the most popular shows in uh, in all of the sports genre in iTunes. Check it out on iTunes Podcast One. I've been talking for you know this. This is a short conversation for me and Chael. We've been going an hour and twenty minutes, and it's uh, this is this is a short one for us. So uh, check out his show. He's got all sorts of interesting guests. You got wrestlers coming on. You got MMA fighters. You got those of us that grew up with professional wrestling and still have a, a you know a, a, a fainting interest or a, a very small interest in it. I still keep up with it. I'm trying to get some some WWE guys on my show once I get through their PR team because uh, that's that's another headache entirely. But uh, Chael, I appreciate the time, man. And uh, you know you call me up. It's like hey, I, I got something to say. I want to be on short time. Anytime. Doors always open for you, brother. I appreciate it. Oh, hey, by the way, Jason, there's a new joke going around uh, for you and your listeners, if I could tell it real fast. What is six feet tall, stunningly attractive, and disappears in a moment? Um, I don't think it's herpes, is it? <laughs> oh, there he goes. Jail Sonnen, ladies and gentlemen, just bailed right there, just like he does. So we got to hear the bad guy, the American gangster, the whatever one he wants to call himself, talk a lot about the world championships, getting some things coming up. International Podcast Day. This is some nerdy stuff for you. So if you like listening to podcasts, let you know that International Podcast Day is coming on September 30th. Yes, that's right. It sounds really, really nerdy. But guess what? There are thousands and thousands and thousands of podcasts out there. Not all of them by the Mad Talk Podcast Network, but uh, we got a pretty good chunk of the market, at least the wrestling market. So September 30th, keep an eye out if you're interested in the world of podcasting. Beyond the world of wrestling, internationalpodcastday.com. Uh, Dave and Steve Lee, some friends of mine that I got to know through this space, doing uh, doing work, hashtag do work, son, at uh, International Podcast Day. So this is the second year we're doing it. We're also going to be uh, picking up some things on blab.im. Here in the coming weeks, going to work with Richard Immel and maybe some of the Flow guys on getting some uh, cross-promotional things where we can have fan interaction and live chats and things like that. Of course, if you like this episode, you like all the episodes, subscribe at matttalkonline.com slash getshorttime. That's the same place you can leave a rating and review. And if you like the show and you want to contribute 
to the program. Go to mattalkonline.com slash contribute. Now, a couple shows I know, like my buddies Corey Finneran, Nick Suberling, and Tawny Finneran, do this thing at the end of each show, and it's like a hidden hashtag or something. So if you're listening this far, if you're going this far beyond the hour and 20 minutes we just did with Chael Sonnen, then uh, use that hashtag long, uh, I don't know, uh, I'm trying to think of a hashtag. What should I come up with? Um because I was going to say Long Chael would really, really make his ego go beyond what it already is. So uh, let's just go, uh, you know, I don't know. It was a long time. It's short time. Just just throw me a hashtag out there at short time. Just hashtag short time. I just want to see who's out there listening this far into the program. Again, ratings and reviews at madtalkonline.com slash get short time and contribute to that. Again, everything's at the website that you need to know at mattalkonline.com. All the shows, all the network shows, everything you need to know, check them all out. I'm Jason Bryant. See you next time. The Short Time Wrestling Podcast is brought to you by Flips Wrestling. Share your attitude and be heard at flipswrestling.com. Like what you hear on Short Time? Drop us a rating and a review on iTunes by going to mattalkonline.com slash getshorttime. is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.